And just like that, we are back with another episode of the End Zone Club. And before I get started today, guys, I would be remiss not to apologize. I know some of you guys have been reaching out wondering, when are we going to get another episode? And that's, I get it, I get it. It's nobody's fault but my own, but let me explain. Life has been happening fast. So since the last episode, which was basically a homage slash just conversation to the class of 2022. Hopefully you guys were sharing that with your kids, your neighbors, your nieces and nephews because there were some nuggets dropped in that. But we had a son that graduated. He is actually already graduated now and he has started college. Proud of him. Shout out to him. It's summertime and he's going to school getting a head start versus waiting for life to come his way. Not only that, but the military has tapped me on the shoulders. Many of you guys know I am part of the reserve portion of the Air Force, Air National Guard to be exact. It's tapped me on the shoulders. I've been gone for two months. Um, if you were following my social media, you probably wouldn't have known that I was on any kind of military orders doing what we do. However, I was. And in addition to that, this week, this Saturday, June the 11th, we are hosting our annual NFL football camp that we host. It's a free camp. This year, we've got eight former NFL players on taps to come out and represent with us. It's a labor of love. We get people from all over the wonderful state of Mississippi, uh, reaching even into Louisiana. Go Tigers. And, um, you know, we get put people from other states like uh, like Atlanta slash I guess Atlanta is a city but Georgia and is also the Memphis Tennessee area so we're always excited about it because you know one thing we're a firm believer in is you have to put out a body of work that's attractive enough to get other people's attention that's one of the greatest lots in life and that's a piece of information I will carry with me till the day I pass that you have to make life worth living with a sense of purpose. So with all that being said, within my purpose of service and servitude, I have been very busy, have had some content lined up, have had some interviews lined up because I know you guys get tired of hearing just from me. But unfortunately, some of the interviews fell through. They may have been a little more hot topic, so I'll keep it under wraps until a further date when we can get them off the ground. But with that said, guys, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here today talking about my football camp, but I am excited about it because this time every year we get a chance to see some friends um, amongst them. We've got a couple of Super Bowl winners, all pro players, these sorts of things. And one of the caveats of doing a camp is that usually it takes me about six to seven months out of the year to get everything going. And what I mean everything going, guys, I'm just going to kind of open up a portfolio here today and use this as a springboard to get into my topic. But the day after the camp, usually me and the namesake, whose name is Eric Matthews, he's been on this show before, played with the Green Bay Packers. Shout out to Eric. Shout out to Eric. He's been with the Green Bay Packers, beat my San Francisco 49er team in route to winning the 97 Super Bowl, which was his rookie season. And one of the stories he shares with the kids is he only had a four-year, three, four-year NFL career, was very fast uh, coming out of college. He, he also ran track. 
um, won several awards with that and was fortunate enough to be an undrafted free agent, got on with a team that won a Super Bowl, played a few more years, but had a knee injury that ultimately ended his career quickly. So one of the resounding messages we use his story to bring to the kids is always have a fallback plan. One of the reasons I say have a fallback plan because contact sports, for example, are only temporary. However, you know, there are a lot of trades, there are a lot of skills, there are a lot of things that you can get into from a young age that will subsidize and carry you way further than any NFL career. So when you hear a guy having a two-year NFL career, you may say that's short, but that's about average. So sometimes we get caught in the weeds. Anytime a player is drafted, anytime a player signs a contract, for whatever reason, I don't understand it. They make it public knowledge that this guy just signed a two-year, $40 million deal. Chances are you're well into your third contract before you're signing that. So on the front end, guys that are only playing two to three to four years, they're still on the rookie scale, which might be four-year, two million. So I want you to think about that math. You have a career that pays you $2 million, $4 million over the course of four years, and your career is over. So from the time you're 22 or 21, you're drafted. By the time you're 25, you're trying to find another career. Now, if you think $2 million is going to last you another 40 years, whew, you're living frugal. So we, with that thought process in mind, a lot of people don't consider how short NFL careers are. So they're always starstruck when they see these guys, just, just purely based on cap numbers. They are starstruck. So I've spent seven years, I'm sorry, seven months preparing for this camp, which is raising money to be able to put these guys in clean, decent hotels being able to at least provide a meal because these guys are not coming out here getting rich. I promise you that. But in addition, they have to get here. With rising gas costs, guess what? It, it incurs a burden. So you're doing these things and then you're having to secure locations. You're having to make sure you have equipment, sanitation. I mean, even though we don't talk about it, we are still in a COVID society where it is still spreading. We still have to have certain protocols in place to keep people and kids safe in addition to that after we've done that we have other things there are graphics there are flyers there are you know there is like mass distribution that we have to get out from a from getting it to the media there's um always we always have to secure a location and then in addition we always have to find or think of or think tank and brainstorm new creative ideas that's going to make it different than last year because I promise you if you're going to keep doing things the same exact way not only are other people going to catch on and replicate it but kids are going to be less inclined to want to come again if they already feel like they've seen the blueprint that's why a lot of us live in a seven second or less attention society I hate to say that TikTok but you did it to us <laughs> but anyway, so with all that said, it takes a lot of time because just traditionally, it is hard sometimes getting a group of people together as a team to buy into a vision. So for the most part, a lot of this labor of love, 99% of it has been performed by me. That's not a boast. It's not a brag. It's not cap. It's just stating a fact. And then you have the unfortunate part. I don't want to go scorched earth because I really do have something to talk about. But 
some people will not support anything you are doing unless somebody they like is behind it. So it always happens every year. I may bring in, I always try to bring in new players every year. In addition, Eric is here, but we do try to bring in new blood every year to at least mix it up a little bit. A couple new guys every year. And I've noticed that sometimes we may bring in a guy that has a connection to my favorite school, LSU, right? And LSU fans, all of a sudden that year will support it. Or let's say you got guys that is a Georgia fan or, or, or Georgia, former Georgia player or Ole Miss or Mississippi State or whatever SEC teams we seem to represent mostly. People from those organizations will come out and support something that identifies with them. So that's just the way it is. So we keep it fresh. But with that saying, moving forward, something that has replicated and my thought process every year is just the process for success. Every year we do anything ministry-wise, whether it's working with kids, whether it's providing basketball dance camps, whether it's Wednesday night empowerments or Sunday morning enrichments, whatever we try to provide for the kids. I've learned the significance of being mentally humble enough that when you do something, have some sort of feedback mechanism that shows you where you need to improve. I remember growing up in our community, man, we we had some people who were um, phenomenal, phenomenal singers. And in our community, like, man, everybody knew that if there was a musical, if there was a concert or whatever, there were certain names you automatically thought about just because of their talent. But then as I got older and I moved out and I started visiting other places, started noticing some people working at their craft differently, the questions I had growing up about, man, this individual that sings so well, why are they not having, or why haven't they blown up as we call it? Why haven't they gotten out of the community? And then I started to see something. Some of them never got any better. I guess as I moved out and I saw some people that didn't just sing for a living or for fun, but they approached singing as a living, as a means to an end, as a lifestyle. This is my craft. This is what I'm proud of. I started noting their noticing their approach to their craft was different than those that did it just for fun or recognition. Those are people that are always working at their craft. And in order to work at your craft, one of the processes to success entails having a feedback system for getting better. And that's what messes a lot of us up. We feel like because I'm anointed, there's no feedback. Right? I remember years ago as a musician, and I guess I'm going to tell off on myself. I hope this pastor doesn't hear this podcast and wants to beat me up, but man, we were in a service, me and one of my partners from California, he was here at the time, he was a keyboard player, I was a drummer, and we were offering musical support to his service, right? Man, we got in there, we played our hearts out, whatever, and then this man proceeded to preach about three hours, three solid Guys, it took everything in us as musicians sitting right behind the pastor preaching to stay awake. It was so bad, the whole church fell asleep, including his mother, who was on the front row. 
it was so quiet in the church. You could hear the air conditioner blowing. <laughs> Louder than you could hear an amen. But he was so caught up in his mindset with how anointed he was that he like he 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 misdiagnosed what was going on in the room. Apparently, like the young kids say now, he didn't check the temperature. He didn't read the room. He was like, look at you guys. Holy Ghost has got you guys so deep in this message. None of y'all can even say a word. And I remember I looked at the keyboard player. And I remember the keyboard player looked at me. <laughs> and we were like, man, I'm never coming back. <laughs> but there wasn't anyone around him that could give him the honest truth. Like, Pastor, that message was not that good. And it shouldn't have went that long. <laughs> But that's that's a, that's a reality. Sometimes you have to have a checks and balance system that lets you know. Of course, we that live in America, we have a system in place where we often criticize government officials, where we like their policies. We don't, you know. Sometimes with teachers, maybe 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 there are certain topics we don't like. I mean, here right outside of Mississippi and Tennessee, critical race theory has has burned a hole in a lot of people's wee shimmerings, right? And um, um, you see these things. So if it's going on around you where everybody is having a voice, have a voice within yourself that you're looking at ways to improve. Ways to improve anything you're doing. Even as an artist, some of you don't know this, but I draw. I love to draw. That's a passion. That's the first talent I ever discovered God having placed in my life. And with that said, I spend a lot of time now just on TikTok. Like even on my IG Reels, if you click on my page, you're not seeing no craziness. You're going to see charcoal, graphite. Um, you're going to see paintings, canvases, watercolors. You're going to see Crayolas, Prismacolors, Faber-Castells. Just drawing after drawing people are doing. What I am doing is I'm watching and learning. I'm getting tips. I'm asking questions. Because at the end of the day, as good as I can draw in Tupelo, Mississippi, as good as I could draw in Birmingham, Alabama, they're not calling me from France yet because my skills have not progressed to that level. So until you get to a point where you are known for your work, you don't have time to just be built on the pats of the back by people around you. You wait till your work speaks for itself enough where it's opening doors where you yourself are not present. Did that make sense? Sometimes do you think, for example, Michael Jordan, right? How long has it been since Michael Jordan officially retired again for the third time? 2000 and what was it? Two? So 20 years later, 20 years later, after Michael Jordan retired for the Washington Wizards, his body of work is still being brought up every time you consider who is the greatest basketball player to ever play. Why is that? If you think it was strictly based on his talent and talent alone, you missed the whole conversation. Jordan was talented, but having played under Dean Smith, having been cut, what was it, on his junior varsity team, he realized talent and talent alone can't keep me. I have a favorite former NBA player of all times that used to come down to New Orleans and play when they first left, what was it, Charlotte? 
and then they came over as the New Orleans Hornets before the Pelicans swapped, and Baron Davis was there, was a phenomenal beast, but I had a favorite player that used to come to New Orleans, and anytime he came to New Orleans, baby, I was there watching him play. I was there, talented. Seems like he took two steps and had already made it all the way across the full court. You couldn't hold him in a, in a, in a, in a phone booth if you wanted to. But he was just that gifted and great of a player that his talent was phenomenal. However, there was some questions about his practice. Talking about practice? <laughs> Habits. And you could see 10 years into his career, yes, there were some, some issues the NBA had with his image. But talent, you started seeing some changes. I remember his last year coming back home and there being times in the game where he just didn't have the energy to get back in the game. That was a conditioning issue. That was now him saying there were other things that were going on in his life that were now taking bigger precedent. And he knew when to step away from the game. But to me, fans were robbed because one of the greatest players of all time relied more on talent than he did on the work ethic of a Kobe Bryant. Which to the NBA, they probably loved that because he was a terror for the time he played. With that said, guys, there is a process to success. And I, I fear that the day has come where because of second seven, seven second videos, because of use this audio reel, because of uh, instantaneous pop-up reality shows that make you feel like the cut, edit, flip-flop, don't use this that you're seeing is greater than the one who worked the Chitlin circuit for years like Tyler Perry honed his craft for years after living in a car and ultimately becoming an owner of his own studio. And then people are wondering how it happened. Well, guys, there was no shortcut to that success. That level of prosperity came from working, and that is a principle that is open to us all. I cannot receive a handout in an area that I have not worked hard. That's just me. I don't I don't believe in you subsidizing me for being lazy. I don't believe in you subsidizing me for not putting forth the best effort, the best foot in an area. I don't like participation trophies. That's me talking. This is not a political statement either because I'm not attached to either political party because I feel at the end of the day, as it applies to politics, what did Nas say? What did Biggie say? What did all your rappers say? Money rules supreme. Or cream rules everything around me y'all know y'all know okay no copyright here but anyway you get the drift money is a big factor in determining who gets and who doesn't and with me understanding that i'm determined to get my own my wife is determined to get her own even my kids i see them determining to get their own because whew, I didn't come on here to talk politics, but it looks like those um, those stimulus checks that I was enjoying about a year or a year or two ago, it looks like they came back to get us an unleaded gas, didn't it? <laughs> Y'all seen these gas prices? Golly. But anyway, with that said, I'm not going to ramble any longer, but I do want to say the process to success entails you sometimes being able to get some feedback on where you're going wrong. I was listening to Alex Rodriguez. He was on the Pivot podcast and he was sharing a, a color code system he's got for his employees that uh, I think it was Warren Buffett was teaching him and then some things he got from Magic Johnson early on in his entrepreneurial career. But he gives his guys, of course, and girls a 
color code system green green being the things you're doing phenomenally well yellow being some things you're doing good well but maybe uh let's stop and maybe take a look at it this before maybe you're not taking enough heat in this area cause for concern may develop and then there's the red where whoo we got to get this addressed so something that came out of that is he talked about you know anytime he has his yearly review or whatever however many reviews they do a year he always likes to start with the red because he knows what he's doing good but sometimes there were things that he might be blind to that he wasn't doing as well and as he began to work on those things he wasn't doing as well that's when he began to increase. That's when he began to make more money. That's when he began to cycle through some systematic issues he had even growing up as a, as a child in a single parent home without a lot of money that, you know, survival at all costs. He started developing some new instincts that propelled him even further. And even as a husband, my wife provides me a lot of feedback about where I'm going wrong. And sometimes in a defensive state, we man, we we look at things and maybe we don't think we're as bad at these things as we should, or we think we are, or we don't think maybe we're being overjudged, over criticized. But there is this reality that sometimes when we let that defensive mechanism down, we just listen, we ponder, we consider the points that are being made, and we start working in that area. Look at the different results it produces. If you guys have gotten nothing from today's podcast, come back to the next one. It'll be even better. <laughs> With that said, like, share, subscribe, rate, comment. Get this out to your friends. And with that said, this is another edition of the End Zone Club. You've heard it from me here first. There is a process to success that often deviates through the area of feedback. Listen to it. Love it. Write it down. Make it a part of your life. So until next time, hello.